From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. When you think of popular sports, you might think of football or golf, but there's another kind of sport that's far more popular, shooting. According to the National Shooting Sports Foundation, more than 52 million people participate in shooting sports, and most people get their start when they're young. That's why Buckeye Firearms Foundation's two annual youth shoots are so important, and that's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek, Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Aaron Kirkingberg, BFA board member and range master at Dillon Sportsman Center in Nashport, Ohio. Hi, Aaron. Welcome to the podcast. Hello, Dean. How are you doing? Glad to be here. Oh, pretty good. Aaron, I don't spend a lot of time on Facebook, but I was looking at your Facebook page because I saw a picture of you holding a pretty good-sized fish. So I guess you took a little fishing trip recently. Where did you go, and what did you catch, and how much did you bring back? Well, I traveled to North Carolina, stayed on uh, the national seashore out there, Cape Lookout, Harker's Island. Take the Davis Shore Ferry over. They take your vehicle over. There's no bridges that go to this island. Uh, they drop you off in the sand dunes, and you go drive off onto the beach and go set up camp. Uh, I had four generations of my family on the beach with me, and it was a good fishing excursion. Uh, I caught a couple of black drum and a nice red drum that were all keeper-sized fish that we uh, cooked some of them on the beach and were lucky enough to bring a little bit home. I also dug a lot of fresh mussels. I don't know. I like I like mussels. I order them at restaurants. So uh, digging fresh mussels, boiling them up in some water with some Old Bay and some butter. And, uh, and having your own little appetizer with your own, you know, freshly caught seafood meal on the beach is pretty, pretty fun, pretty now, cool. You know, I've, I've never had mussel. What's the texture like? Because I'm kind of a texture freak when it comes to uh, seafood. I've had some stuff that's, that tastes kind of like snot. Is that, is that so, what mussel is? or m- Mussels are a little rubbier, a little more rubbery than snot. So <laughs> they, they have a little, little more fleshy texture to them. And uh, it's not like eating raw oysters, which are really good too, by the way. But yeah, that's that's kind of the snot that I was referring to. Yeah, this is more like a clam. If you've had like fried clams or something, that it'd be similar to that. Yeah, when it so comes to I, when it when it comes to seafood, you know, you know what I'm like with beer. You know, you right. tried to educate me with beer, and and I remain sort of a, a beer a dunce, <laughs> right? So when it comes to seafood, I'm a little bit like that. I'll eat seafood, but. Just the safe stuff, you know. I, I gotcha. I don't, I don't. I don't venture too far, and um, but I have had some stuff that was just kind of snotty tasting, and I did not like the texture. Mm-hmm. Well, mussels are not that texture. You'll, you know, maybe slightly rubbery if you overcook them, but but it's it's more of a meaty texture. I dug actually a half a five gallon bucket of them and brought them home. We've had. We've cooked up mussels here at the house since I've been back. So uh, did our last seafood meal from the island last night with the remainder of uh, 
a sheep's head, some red drum. And I think there might've been a little bit of whiting in there. My, my son caught, my oldest son caught larger whiting than I've ever caught in the ocean. Um, all the decades that I've been fishing in the sea and he's catching uh, citation with uh, our fish Ohio ward here in Ohio uh, in North Carolina, coastal fishing. It's called a citation when you catch something that's really big for its species and he caught multiple citation whiting and i've never caught a citation they were they were nice size kind of like lake erie perch they're these were like 13 and a half 13 three quarter inches long not a huge fish but for for that species that's a good size and man are they tasty <laughs> so what, what was the weather like because I mean, was it was it warm yet down there it was it was windy, salt breeze, mostly uh, overnight lows in the mid forties, uh, highs in the high fifties. To I think we had it hit seventy while we were out there. We did have a storm come through. So, but when you're standing on the beach, the the salt air and the wind, um, that wind chill, you know, even though you may have a a decent temperature the wind chill kind of knocks it down a little bit. So, you you know, wearing, wearing some sleeves was, was definitely in order, but uh, you know, it, it was a far cry from what we had just dealt with in Ohio for the past few months. So, you know, even though it was fifties, sixties out there, all the North Carolinians, all the locals were bundled up pretty good and we're standing out there in shorts and t-shirts and they're looking at us like we're nuts. And it's like, I'm from Ohio, dude. <laughs> Well, that's why I was asking because I saw a picture of you in short sleeves, and I was thinking, "Wow!" I, you know, then then I saw your wife, and she was all bundled up. So it sounded like like Ohio weather, where you go out one day and it's seventy, and you go out the next day and it's forty. Correct. And then when the sun is up, it's nice. And then when the sun is down and it's windy, it's it's cold. So it, we were right in that transition time frame. Probably the the last couple of days we were there, it was high sixties. Uh, low 70s so so welcome back to ohio and right, ohio yep. weather yep and the rain and the yep. cold yep so uh talking about rain and cold and being outside and all of that wanted to have you on talk about the youth shoots coming up and uh, for our listeners if you haven't heard of this we do sponsor our foundation sponsors a couple of youth shoots every year one in the spring and another in the fall. And Aaron, you're the guy in charge of that. So why don't you talk about the youth shoots? What is that all about? So it started out with uh, Troop 33. My, I was a scout master of, of the troop out of Dawes Arboretum. And Troop 28 out of Utica, Ohio. And uh, we got our two units together and did a merit badge clinic where we kind of took it off of the Boy Scout Reservation. Uh, I was a shooting sports merit badge counselor and also a firearms instructor. And, you know, we, we had additional adults that were capable and we, I think we had maybe 30 kids or so that first, uh, event, we did a step outside grant, uh, through the division of wildlife, which is a one-time $500 grant you can do for certain types of activities that are outdoor oriented. And uh, we funded this uh, that way, got our ammunition and materials and and all the kids worked on both rifle and shotgun merit badge for the weekend. And it was quite successful. Uh, we did it again the following year and some other troops caught wind of it. And I think we had 
five troops the second time and uh, close to 50 kids. And then the third year was when Buckeye kind of came in and started helping out. I was, uh, I remember at our leaders meeting, um, the discussion was put forth a couple different times that there should be some kind of a youth program for, for Buckeye. And I was like, well, I kind of got something going. We don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then uh, that's kind of developed into where we're at today. It's an open to the public event. People come from multiple different states. Uh, I've had people from Michigan, Kentucky, Indiana, and uh, West Virginia um, driving pretty good. I've had volunteers coming from other states to come help with this program. And we typically have got somewhere between 75 and 125 youth participants at an, at a typical event, um, not to mention all of the volunteers and the, the adults and uh, everybody else that helps make the event happen. But, uh, we still do all the merit badge requirements for anybody who is a scouter. Um, but taking it off the Boy Scout reservation, you know, taking it off the reservation, so to speak, was, you know, adding in the elements that we couldn't do in scouting, which was have a winner. We have trophies. We actually, you know, award folks for their achievement. The kids, um, you know, get recognized for being the better shooter. And the other children see this, uh, the other youth participants have the opportunity to strive to do better and come back next year. And, you know, part of what we did also was the NRA marksmanship uh, program where you earn your ranks in your shooting progress and your skill set and Boy Scouts love patches. So give them, give them a shield and give them some rockers and unlike scout camp where you go to the rifle range and you earn your rifle merit badge and then you don't really have that motivation to go back to the rifle range uh, you, it's kind of a been there done that sort of thing so we wanted to give these kids a reason to continue shooting to progress to develop a skill set and an affinity for the shooting sports as opposed to just earning a merit badge and then you know not necessarily needing to go back we wanted to give them that reason maybe it's because they want to get first place the next time instead of second place uh whatever the the case may be and and watching these kids achieve and earn and and understand and grasp the concepts of shooting is is a tremendous uh reward in in everything that we do to put this together and and this is a two-day event right i mean this is pretty much goes through the weekend and you have people coming and, and camping out right at, we, we ought to say that this happens out of Dellen Sportsman Center in Nashport and you've got a pretty good piece of property there and people come and they just set up camp. I will have church groups, uh, family units, uh, Boy Scout troops, 4-H clubs, uh, all sorts of different organizations and individuals come out and set up camp. A lot of folks come in on Friday and set up and stay until Sunday, shooting and uh, classroom uh, activities take place all day Saturday and half a day Sunday. And then Sunday afternoon is when we recognize 
all of our top shooters and hand out awards and patches and certificates and things. What are the ages? Because I've been out to the youth shoot uh, on a couple of occasions and I've seen some pretty young people there. What, what's the age range? So the age range has expanded recently. We have some new activities that are geared towards the younger participants. And, it, and it's kind of uh, the, the lower end age had been roughly nine years old. Um, up until now, we actually have the indoor air rifle uh, set up that is now online and uh, capable of, of running. We did it at the last shoot for the first time, and it was quite successful. We can get some pretty young kids in there. So it's based on uh, our knowledge of the youth and or, uh, the, you know, the parents. Um, I've had some kids six seven years old out there doing the air rifle stuff now that we have that added in and when we've got archery so even if the the youngster isn't capable of of uh using a full-size gun or you know a real firearm then we have activities for them and we do have the little chipmunk uh, youth model 22 rifles we try to have a couple of small lightweight four tens even for the shotgun field so that uh um basically a, a child of any stature if they're capable enough we can we can try to get them on the range so describe the different kinds of shooting that you do out there because you have people all over the range doing all kinds of things plus doing classes so what are all the different activities that the participants are participating in so I'll, I'll kind of run you through how uh, we we have it organized, and uh, anybody who shows up to this event that has got proof of formal safe gun handling training, for instance, a hunter's education card or a certificate from a, a class, a, a legitimate recognized course for gun safety, uh, they do not have to sit through our classroom portion on Saturday morning. Anybody who does not have proof of formal safe gun handling training gets a red wristband and that everyone on the facility knows that if you've got a red wristband, you're not allowed on any of the ranges. You're not allowed to handle any firearms yet. So those, those youth uh, at nine o'clock in the morning when everything goes live after our opening ceremony and, and safety briefing, the, those kids go to the classroom and they get uh a half a day of formal safe gun handling training, which also, if you are a scout, uh, meets almost all of the bookwork requirements for the merit badge, um, if short of a couple of prerequisites. So we try to hit all the bases there. Um, then they earn their green wrist badge after the, or wristband, excuse me, after they've gotten out of the classroom or if they already had proof of formal safe gun handling training, they can go to the rifle range, shoot 22 rifles. They can go to the trap field where we've got multiple trap machines uh, set up throwing straightaway birds to develop a little bit of confidence in breaking some clay pigeons flying through the air. They can uh, go to the archery range and shoot bow and arrows. And then after the classroom portion is done, we open up the downstairs uh, goes from being in the classroom to being the indoor air rifle station. Uh, once the youth participants have earned 
a certain rank in the marksmanship qualification, they they actually earn the privilege to go to the pistol range and work with a handgun instructor or go to the skeet field and work with a skeet instructor and learn the different stations and, and swinging a shotgun a little more dramatically uh, than just shooting trap birds. So, so you also have, uh, I know that when the youth participants sign up, that's like five bucks. And it's really not about earning money. The, the $5 more or less just helps cover some of the basic costs. Well, and it, and it helped with cancellations. People that right. when it was, when it was back, when it was free, a lot of people would sign up their entire neighborhoods where the kids and then not show. So I'd have 40, 50 no shows. And I was turning away groups of people that wanted to be there. But I, I'm like, I have too many people registered. I cannot let anybody else in. And then we would have all these folks not show up. So that, that $5 fee, although I really didn't want to do it, that really cut that down dramatically. Um, so any, that's, that's kind of why there's a fee on it. And, and then you have uh, adults signing up and they, they get in for free. So how many adults do you have helping out during, during the weekend? I have a lot of adults that show up with different scout units. Um, their, their leadership are always helping out and hanging out. I've got a really good crew of adult volunteers that really don't have any skin in the game. They don't have any kids coming to these events. They don't, uh, they don't live close. They travel from a pretty good distance away to come and just be there for these kids and uh, help them learn and make this event fantastic. I'm, I'm going to say I typically have close to a hundred adults on site uh, shooting positions. There's on the trap field, there's going to be uh, a, a shooting coach or safety officer standing right beside each youth participant. There's going to be a scorer there. There's multiple, there's going to be somebody throwing the birds for them. There, there's probably three or four adults on each shooting position on the trap range. There's a shooting culture instructor, uh, one per lane on the rifle range with a line safety officer. And then a three or four scores down there processing paperwork, entering data into our spreadsheets, uh, so on and so forth. Uh, you look around at, at everywhere. We've got uh, folks, you know, preparing food and we do a five buck lunch. My venture crew is out there serving. Actually, it's not the venture crew anymore. It's Coyo Central Ohio Youth Outdoor Sports. We've created a new uh, nonprofit entity for our youth group at the range, but uh, those kids are all functioning as, as RSOs and, uh, and or cooks and serving food. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty big to-do. It's, it's a lot of fun, pretty stressful getting it all pulled together, you know, uh, wrangling all the monkeys and, and, and making it happen can be pretty stressful, but when it's happening and it's going and the, the machine is actually working, um, and I can sit back and relax and look at it and watch it go. It's just, it's real satisfying seeing these kids and, uh, the smiles and the, the gleam in their eye. It's, it's a, it's a good fun event. Well, that kind of leads to my next question because I mean, what's the, the youth shoot really all about? I mean, it's a lot of fun, but obviously it's a lot of work. So there's gotta be a bigger purpose here. What do people really get out of this that makes it worth doing all that work? Well, you know, some of these kids never had the opportunity to shoot 
this, you know, at all, or even this much, you know, the ammunition is all provided, uh, the clay pigeons, the targets, the trophies, the pat, you know, there's a $5 fee, but so much comes with that. And just the sheer amount of shooting, this is, this is an absolutely fabulous opportunity for a youngster to develop an affinity for shooting an understanding of our second amendment and gun safety. And, and really for me, I feel like any, any of the kids that come through this youth program out at Dillon, and hopefully we're going to expand that to other locations in the near future. But any, any kid that comes through this program, they, they know better. You're, you're never going to convince them that guns are bad because they've learned that they are not. They know better. You'll never spoon feed these kids in any, any, you know, into their adult lives. You'll never spoon feed them the anti-gun propaganda. Uh, they have an intimate understanding of the Second Amendment and what guns really are. Whether they become a gun owner or a hunter or involved in the shooting sports uh, is all kind of irrelevant. I believe that they they come away from my program with a deep understanding of the Second Amendment culture. You talked about expanding it. What kind of expansion plans do you have? Well, we have currently one facility that has expressed an interest in bringing the youth, the Buckeye Firearms uh, Foundation Youth Shoot Program to their facility and actually holding a, uh, the same style shoot there uh, with our help getting it, getting it running. And we have started working on a website in order to track the progression uh, through the NRA Marksmanship Qualification Program of all the youth participants. So regardless of where the the Buckeye Youth Shoot that they participated in might have been, all those records will be available to all of the different facilities and leaders that run these sh- sh- uh, Youth Shoot programs will be able to access, pick up right where that kid left off, add in their new achievements, and it'll be trackable throughout the different locations around the state of Ohio that we conduct these shoots. Yeah, that NRA qualification program. You know, I did not grow up with with guns, really. My grandfather lived in the country, and he took me hunting a few times when I was a kid. But when I got into firearms, I actually put myself through that qualification program just as a way of teaching myself how to shoot. So, I mean, that it's it's a really simple program, but it's organized in a way that gives you goals where you want to hit each goal and get better and better and better, and you get a real sense of satisfaction from it. I didn't know that, that you could do more with it, like what you're talking about, tracking records and so on. So, the way we're going to do uh, the, the tracking of these kids' progression is uh, we've created a pretty extensive spreadsheet. So, uh, if, for instance, this this youth participant has gotten halfway between, you know, their current uh, rocker that they have earned in the marksmanship qualification program, and they haven't finished the next one. If they go to a Buckeye youth shoot in a different location, that spreadsheet can be pulled up. We can see right where they stopped in their progression 
and we can continue right on from there and they can just pick up where they left off uh, to earn that next achievement. So all of this takes place at Dillon Sportsman Center out in Nashport, Ohio. Uh, Aaron, why don't you talk a little bit about this? I, actually, this range is kind of unique because as far as I'm aware, this is the only public range, and this is a public range, but it's the only public range in Ohio that's run by a private business, by you. So describe that because I think Dillon is really a, a unique shooting range and uh, you've got quite a bit there to offer people. Uh, yes, it is the only state shooting facility that is a concession, and I am the concessioner. I lease that facility. Um, our our youth shoot program actually started there at that facility before I ran it back when it was run by a uh, a different administration. And I've been operating the facility now. This will be my I'm in my tenth year. So a decade of running that place. Uh, it is open to the public. There's no membership necessary. You do not need one of the state range passes. Uh, it is a uh, pay-to-play facility. There, there are fees associated, and it is also a cash-only facility. I don't have a way to swipe cards out there. But information can be found at dylansportsmancenter.com. Uh, but hours of operation and fees and uh, a year's worth of calendar uh, showing all of our events. The youth shoots are on there, different matches and leagues uh, that take place, classes, things like that. Uh, it is a 30-acre shooting facility and uh, indoor air rifle, 100-yard rifle range, 25-yard pistol range with steel plates and swingers hanging. And uh, two combination trap and skeet fields. Got a grease board for patterning your, patterning your shotguns and a few other little amenities there and open to the public. You, you don't have to have a reservation. You don't have to book a lane or anything like that. You just pay for your time that you spend on the range and it's first come, first serve. So if what you want to do when you get there is full, you just wait for somebody to come off of the line and, and go grab a spot. And you also do uh, some river trips out of there as well, right? Uh, kayaking and uh, do you do canoeing? Canoes and kayaks. You can jump on our bus, the happy bus, as my wife likes to call it. BlackCaneGorgeAdventures.com. We do float trips down through the Black Cane Gorge Nature Preserve on the Licking River. And we put you on where you'd like to go on and we take you off where you'd like to come off. You can kind of make your your float trip as long or as short as you'd like it. And I have people that will float all the way to the shooting range. We have a boat ramp right down from the facility and uh, you can either way get picked up and brought back to the parking lot, or you can float all the way down to the, to the boat ramp and uh, have your guns waiting for you to do some shooting activity um, before or after your float trip, however you'd like to do it. And your vehicles are not on the side of the road. They're in a secure parking lot. They're at the range. So and this is part of Dillon State Park, right? I mean, it's just kind of across the water from that. So, I mean, somebody could come and make a weekend of it, stay over at Dillon Park. We have a BFA uh, brought some people out there uh, a couple of years ago, I think. And uh, we stayed for the weekend and did a river trip. Yeah, the, the cabins are really nice over there. And I have a lot of 
customers that'll book a cabin and do a float trip one day and do a bunch of shooting the next day. And I let them use my barbecue grills and things out there at the range. They have picnics on my new picnic tables and a little cookout in between their different activities. So yeah, it's kind of a a little full fun activity packaged weekend getaway. So, uh, you know, you can kind of feel like you got out of town and and have a lot of stuff going on and you don't have to uh, put a whole lot of effort into, into planning as I take care of it all for you. Now, we're talking about water and I, I can't help but bring this up. Dillon Sportsman Center has a really interesting history dealing with water. You've actually been flooded a few times. I mean, the, like the whole range totally underwater. What's up with that? So the state ranges... Um, Back in the 60s, when they were building all these facilities, they uh, made an agreement with the Army Corps of Engineers that they'd build these shooting ranges basically within the floodplain of the flood control reservoirs around the state. That's a lot of our state parks and state facilities are on flood control reservoirs. Uh, If you look around and you can kind of see that that's a pretty common theme and the shooting ranges, well, it's just a it's just a big dirt bank that we're going to shoot at, right? Um, basically, they built them in the floodplain. So if, you know, when you live in a bathtub, you put the plug in, uh, it fills up. Well, they've <laughs> done that a few times, and it goes right up to the eaves of the building. So we got photographs on the wall out there. Any visitors can come out and see the uh, the flood of 05, the infamous flood of 05, where it actually put the building completely underwater. Um, it looks like a a roof floating on the lake. Um, the last flood was this past winter, uh, end of February. And uh, we had four and a half feet of water on the rifle range, sandbagged the doors coming in the basement, uh, probably a foot and a half of water through the entire indoor classroom and air rifle uh, range. And uh, luckily it did not come all the way up the stairs and into the upstairs of the building, but it was pretty close. Yeah, those, so. those pictures are really amazing. I, I mean, I come from West Virginia, so everywhere that you live in West Virginia, you're near water, right? Because it's the hills and, and the uh, the rivers and the, and the creeks. And um, I, I grew up just living with floods. Just floods were just part of life. Yeah, the the interesting part of this is it doesn't have to be raining here for me to get flooded out. And it has to do with whether the Army Corps of Engineers decides to close the dam to hold back floodwaters from somewhere upriver. And, and suddenly, uh, I had the, as they say, you know, the, the, the creek is rising. And uh, I've had, I've went home from the range on one day and then came back the next and couldn't get to the range because all the roads that go there are underwater <laughs> and then literally overnight it just when when was uh, the year that uh we evacuated the entire range because i came out there and i think uh, joe eaton came out there and you had a bunch of people and we were basically loading up buses and trucks and we just took everything out of the range that would have been 2018 um, something almost like that. almost four years ago three years ago yeah, I was I was thinking like 2018, and then it didn't flood. Yeah, the so when I took the facility over, I talked to my park manager, and I said, hey, does the Army Corps of Engineers give you a heads up when they're going to put your park underwater? And he said, yeah. I said, could you call me? He was like, oh, that's a good idea. 
I said, yes, it is. I think so. (laughs) You know, give me a ring. So that was when I got that phone call, I was told that my facility was going to potentially be underwater within 18 hours. That's that's not a lot of, no, it's not a lot of, not a lot of, not a lot of lead time. Uh, And as it turned out, it ended up being less than it was mere inches from coming into the building and then did not flood that time. And, you know, the, the comical aspect of it is the last two times I wasn't notified the first time the park manager had lost his phone. So I didn't get a phone call. Neither did he, they they took on some pretty good damage at the park as well, because they didn't get their heads up from the army Corps, which meant I didn't. And uh, we did take on water that time. And then this last time I just never got a phone call. I don't know. I showed up and we had water coming in. So well, Dillon has a great range, and uh, why don't you give people directions to it so that they can come out if any of our listeners want to come out and try it out? I highly recommend it. It's not exactly central Ohio, but it's not that far away. It is probably about 15 to 18 minutes kind of north of Zanesville, 15 minutes or so um, east of Newark, Ohio. So you can access it from Route 70 or Route 16. Uh, it's off of Route 146, which goes north and south through Zanesville. Uh, Pleasant Valley Road uh, only goes one direction off of 146 on the north end, uh, right by Hamby Farms, big grain mill out there. And you go about five miles, I'm on the left-hand side of the road. So the address is 5200 Pleasant Valley Road, Nashport, Ohio. But if you use like any kind of Google Maps or navigational system to come there, you have to use the name Dillon Sportsman Center when you navigate. Otherwise, it will take you to other 5200 Pleasant Valley Roads. It will not take you to the shooting range. So, But I've got directions on the website. You can click on the little top bar. There's a spot that says directions, and, and it'll give you uh, the, a reminder of the address and, and some other information about the facility. You can kind of read the range rules and and uh, that website's got a lot of good stuff on there. So when's the next youth shoot coming up? You've got one coming up in May, right? Correct. Second weekend of May. I think it's the 14th, 15th weekend. And we have information about that. You can uh, find it in our event list on BuckeyeFirearms.org. Click through and it'll give you all kinds of details about what's going to go on, the kind of shooting activities, and you can register. Again, it's just $5 per youth participant and adults get in for free. So it's really quite a bargain for a whole weekend. I think so. And it's a great fun family activity. I've got, again, the state park across the lake from us. I've got participants that come up, book a cabin, every single shoot, every every spring shoot, every fall shoot there. Uh, I've got different groups, uh, families that get cabins down there and, and plenty of folks that camp, set up a tent right at the range itself. Uh, there's local folks that can just drive back and forth for the couple of days, but, uh, it, it's a fun time. Even, even if you just want to come out and help, it's all hands on deck. I never really know who all is going to be there when it comes to volunteers, instructors, shooting coaches, just people to help make things happen. And, and, you know, a lot of folks are kind of they're a little bit intimidated about that volunteering aspect, like they don't know what they could possibly do. And, you know, I got folks sitting down that are just marking X's and O's on a shotgun score sheet. 
And, you know, it, did they break the bird or did they not break the bird? And I've got other people floating around just going, do you need to go to the bathroom? Do you need a break? And, you know, just to let somebody that is doing a, a specific job get away for a moment. Um, so there's just all kinds of things for folks to do. And uh, whether you got kids coming out or not, you know, get with me. And if you'd like to volunteer and be a part of this program, uh, it's it's that simple because I will never turn away a volunteer. Aaron, thanks for spending time with us on the podcast. And thanks for everything you do with all of these youth shoots. Thank you, Dean. I appreciate the opportunity to come on here and talk about it. And uh, and hopefully, you know, this will generate some interest for some folks that uh, maybe didn't know this took place and maybe get some kids or grandkids out here to participate. Sounds good. We'll talk to you again soon. All right. Bye. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio.